Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Happy 4th of July out there to all the uh, Alaska watchers listening. Hope everybody had a good holiday weekend. Uh, it's starting to wind down. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be off for the 4th of July this year, but uh, generally on the holiday weekends like that around here, I don't do much uh, just because, you know, this is kind of a tourist town where I live. Uh, it gets pretty crowded, pretty crazy during the, the holiday weekends like Memorial Day, July 4th. And um, we usually just uh, kind of take it easy and try and stay off the roads. We get a lot of uh, traffic accidents, stuff like that happening on the highway between here and Anchorage. Uh, the road always, almost always gets shut down every year <laughs> for some kind of accident. So uh, we just kind of hunker down and, uh, you know, spend the holiday doing our own thing. Uh, we're lucky enough that, you know, we have a, a pretty private residence and uh, we can uh, do pretty much whatever we want here. Uh, so we spent it basically just hanging out and we cooked some ribs and had a pretty good time. Uh, watched Jaws, of course. That's always a 4th of July classic. I heard, um, early on in the weekend, I believe it was actually posted on Thursday. I don't even think it made it till Friday that, uh, all the, uh, all the campsites at, uh, Skilak Lake area on, on the refuge out there, uh, were full. So not that I was even contemplating going camping this weekend or getting out in the woods but uh yeah i i saw that and was really surprised just because um you know with the whole covid thing going on but i guess uh because people aren't traveling like they used to and people aren't working like they used to uh they're just coming down to the kenai peninsula just to recreate and have fun so even though um we're not seeing a whole lot of the out-of-state tourists like we usually do we're getting a lot of in-state tourists a lot of people coming down from anchorage a lot of people coming down from uh, Fairbanks and Valley places like that. So, um, pretty, pretty busy here and, uh, and on the Kenai Peninsula, even though, uh, some other places are kind of hurting. Some of the tourist businesses are uh, not doing so well. Uh, I know a guy that, uh, owns a, a, uh, charter company, a fishing charter company, and he seems to be doing very well. Uh, he's had a few cancellations and empty slots, but, uh, otherwise, I mean, it's definitely worth his while to stay in business. So he's doing pretty well for the summer. So COVID doesn't seem to be keeping everybody down. Uh, we have had an uptick in uh, cases on the peninsula, which I guess was to be expected with all the uh, extra traffic. So we'll see how that shakes out. I don't, I don't see them uh, closing everything down again. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, um, before we get started today, I wanted to throw a shout out to the Creep It Real podcast hosted by Jesse Desmond. Uh, you can find that anywhere that uh, any podcatcher I believe it's available on. And um, also I wanted to throw a shout out uh, to Adam Davis. And um, he has uh, three books available on uh, Amazon right now. Extreme Expeditions, uh, Extreme Expeditions 2 and Extreme Expeditions 3. Um, I have read the first and the third book and I have the second book, but I have not read it yet. I have to say I uh, sat down and read the first book this uh, this holiday weekend and um, I was really surprised. I 
you know, I, I had known Adam had gone into these places and done these things, but I didn't quite realize until I read the book uh, what kind of um, struggles and adversity he had to go through to get to those places. I had no idea, um, not to get too far into it, because, you know, you should read the book, but basically when he was getting into the Congo, they would have to go and meet with the, the governor or the warlord of a certain area and get permission to go further and then go to the next little town or, you know, uh, city center or village and get permission from that chief or warlord or whoever was in charge to go even further. And they had to do that several times before they actually got into the jungle. And I, I always knew that it was difficult to get to those places and that they were quite dangerous. But I never really put, I guess, that much thought into the politics of getting into those places and what it takes and the diplomacy that's required, I guess, to, to get in, to get permission to go into those places. So that, uh, that was in the first book, the extreme expeditions. And that really, um, you know, it really, it really uh, struck a chord with me. Cause I always kind of thought like, Hey, you know, maybe one of these days when I retire, I might, uh, try and go to some of these exotic places or go, you know, somewhere and look for something kind of crazy. Like, um, the, the, uh, Makoli Membe or whatever. And, uh, now I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've got enough to keep me busy here in uh, North America. So anyway, check those books out. They're available on Amazon. Um, they're great reads. Uh, I loved the first one and I, and well, I'm a little biased on the third one because I'm in it, but, uh, I really enjoyed the third one as well. Like I said, I haven't read the second one. I own it. I just haven't cracked it open. Uh, but those are available on Amazon. Uh, please check them out. Uh, you know, Adam, you know, he works really hard and, uh, he funds all of his expeditions himself. He doesn't get paid to do this and, you know, neither do I. So, uh, you know, every little bit helps, uh, if you could buy his book and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, he can spend that on some equipment or some lodging for his next, uh, expedition. And speaking of expeditions, um, I think it's pretty much, um, a done deal, but the, uh, Prince of Wales Island expedition that we were planning for later this month, uh, has been canceled. Obviously, uh, there's just a lot of factors that go into that. Um, <clears throat> everybody was having a hard time, uh, figuring out how to get up here with the COVID thing and flights being canceled and delayed and moved around. And actually to come into Alaska, the last time I checked, it may, it may have changed in the last few days. Uh, but you have a choice. You can either show up at the airport uh, with a paper saying you've been tested within 72 hours and it was negative, or you have to choose to quarantine for 14 days upon arrival. So I'm sure, you know, most people are choosing the, um, the test option. Nobody wants to uh, spend all the money to get up here just to sit in their house for or a hotel for two weeks. But um <clears throat> you know, with the uptick in cases, I don't really see how that's helping. Uh, but I don't know. It's neither here nor there. Uh, it was just too difficult to get everybody together for the, for the, um, expedition. So it's not going to happen. Uh, maybe, uh, next year, uh, we'll see. It's, it was actually, it was Steven's expedition. So, uh, we'll go from there. We'll see what he wants to do. Uh, I was getting really excited about going, uh, you know, you guys had heard, um, 
earlier when I was talking about Rainco Sasquatch and all the encounters that had been listed in there from Prince of Wales Island, I was so ready to go. I wanted to check it out so bad, but uh, it wasn't meant to be, and I guess uh, I'll get down there eventually. So anyway, on to today's main topic. Uh, I wanted to... I wanted to tell you guys about a recent sighting that had been reported to me. Uh, this came in via the uh, Kenai Bigfoot Research Group Facebook page. And I wanted to read this to you. It was um, sent in by a woman who had had a sighting. <clears throat> and um, I wanted to read it to you pretty much verbatim. You know, it's I wanted it to be... Uh, to be pretty pretty raw, uh, pretty fresh. So I wanted to just read you verbatim basically what she sent in. And um, this is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new sighting, although it's newly reported. Uh, it actually is about a year old. And uh, interesting thing about that, about it being a year old, is when this happened, I believe was around the same time the Swan Lake fire was going on. So... Just keep that in mind. This area where the sighting occurred is in the area that I had uh, postulated earlier that I thought maybe they, you know, if the Bigfoot were in the area, this might be where they were getting pushed down to because of the fire. Basically, the burn, the fire was burning kind of north of this area where the fire uh, or where the uh, sighting occurred. And I had kind of hypothesized that a lot of wildlife might get pushed further south because of this fire. And, um, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot that I can, that I can, uh, base this on, but I, I kind of, I just have a, I have a gut feeling that, uh, that my hypothesis is turning out to be true because it seems like we're seeing a lot more activity in this area. And I'll get into a little bit more of that here in a minute. But, uh, first let me read this encounter to you. And um, after I'm done, we'll kind of go over a couple things about it. And then um, I'll go into some things that have happened to me in this area in the next, uh, in, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we'll go from there. All right. So even though she attached her name to the post, I'm going to keep her name out of this just in case. I didn't check with her to see if she wanted um, anonymity, but I assume since she posted it on Facebook that... Um, that she's not too worried about it, but, uh, she does voice some concern about people not believing her stuff like that. So I am going to leave it anonymous. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm also going to leave out the name of the lake. Uh, I will tell you this is in the Kenai national wildlife refuge, but, uh, I'm not going to tell you which lake it is. There are a lot of lakes in this area. So, um, I just, I did, I just don't want a bunch of people, um, swarming it and going around uh looking in this area just because if they are in there i want them to be left alone basically and kind of like um kind of like you would with a crime scene i don't want people tromping around all over it so anyway <clears throat> she starts off uh her encounter by seeing by saying that her and her husband uh they were canoeing and fly fishing uh on this lake and now i'm going to go i'm going to start reading uh the account here As we came around the corner of the lake, I noticed splashing and saw a large otter playing on the bank. It had my attention for a while, but it bounced into the water. Well, not long after, I heard what I can now 
I now can recognize as rocks bouncing off of the trees. It was about 40 yards from us and about 10 from where the otter had disappeared. Me thinking it was another otter making noise, I told my husband to follow the racket, hoping we would see a family. It was about that time that the trees started moving so vigorously, the best way to explain it is like when the dinosaur in Jurassic Park is about to walk through them, so you know that a big T-Rex is about to emerge. My immediate thought was a moose or bear was going to come charging through. Instead, a bipedal, what I thought was a large man at that moment, stepped through the clearing grabbed two large pine trees by their trunks and shook it with all its force. I looked at my husband like, what in the world is this psycho doing? Thinking it was someone trying to intimidate us, even though we were in the middle of nowhere. But then the creature took a few quick steps, quick large steps out of the cottonwoods and was gone. It was in that moment I knew it wasn't just a man. The steps it took were about five feet in length. I knew I would never get this off my mind, so I had my husband drop me off on the bank for a size comparison. The terrain immediately swallowed me up. For example, I'm 5'4", my husband is 5'11", and neither of us could walk, let alone run, through the swampy muskeg. Then we tried to duplicate what we saw by shaking the tree in the same aggressive manner, and neither of us could do it. It has been on my mind for the past year. I know what we saw, but I don't tell many people, because who would believe it? So that's the initial report that came in and I had um, followed up with a couple of uh, follow-up questions. I asked her if she could describe the figure better, what color was it, did it have any facial features, etc. And uh, she replied, she said, uh, I wasn't close enough to see facial details, but I could see it had a rust-colored coat. And she sent me the exact location Uh, She took a Google Maps snapshot of it and circled the area where the sighting happened. And um, actually, I was a little surprised to see. I, In my mind, when she starts telling me about this and she told me what lake it was, I kind of had this predetermined area in my mind where I thought it had probably occurred. And she sends me the Google Map screenshot. And uh, it's actually an area uh, that I is... Can, can I can get to. Um, it's actually on the same side of the lake as the road. So uh, I was a little surprised. I thought it would be on the far side of the lake. And I don't have a canoe or kayak at this time. I think I probably will be getting one eventually. But I just figured that it would be inaccessible to me where the sighting occurred. Uh, but I think I can get back in there. And I do plan on going in there in the next couple of weeks. And um, just uh, conducting a little bit of an investigation, hanging out in there for a day, uh, doing uh, just some setting and observing, and uh, maybe leave some uh, cameras up in that area for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure. I haven't figured out how I'm going to do that. Uh, i got to get them secured so that nobody can steal them or easily steal them. I want to make it as hard as possible for people to take my cameras. So we'll, um, we'll see, and I'll keep you posted on the results. But anyway, this area... This lake uh, where this happened is in the same area um, where my wife and I had gone camping a couple of weeks before this uh, before this encounter came in, and we had been sleeping in the tent. And unfortunately, you know, I told myself when I went out there that it wasn't really a working camping trip. I was just going out there, you know, to have fun and to camp and to relax, and I wasn't gonna like do Bigfoot stuff 
And so uh, I ended up, I stayed up a little bit later than my wife did. And I fleered and used my uh, night vision a little bit, my psionics night vision scope. And, you know, nothing was going on. <clears throat> so I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to go to bed too. So I think it was about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, we both kind of woke up and we were shifting around. It was us and the two dogs in the tent. And uh, we were trying to get comfortable. And uh, we heard this uh, strange, this weird uh, roar slash scream. And um, it happened, it, it, it repeated two or three times. Or I'm sorry, it was three to four times because I think it did it twice. And I, I kind of poked my wife awake and I was like, hey, do you hear that? And it did it again so that she could hear it. And I asked her, I'm like, what is that? Uh, and she didn't know. And keep in mind, she, she grew up in Alaska. So for her to not recognize what it is, I thought was pretty interesting. And I didn't recognize it as well. And uh, like I say all the time, I'm not Jeremiah Johnson. I don't know every animal in the woods and every sound they make. But uh, I'm pretty familiar with most of the stuff around here that I should be able to identify most of what I hear. So anyway, um, I stayed up for a little bit, didn't hear anything else, ended up falling back asleep. And I was kicking myself the entire time because I don't have an audio recorder. I don't have a recorder that I can take out in the field and um, turn on and leave on, uh, you know, while I sleep or, you know, while I'm away. So right after we got back from that camping trip, I immediately went and, and purchased a audio recorder. So I went out, uh, back to that same area a couple of weeks later and I couldn't get the same, the same campsite that we had before. And I had to park or camp a few miles away. Uh, but the area where I did get to camp, I was completely by myself. There was nobody else there. Uh, the nearest other campsites were like five miles away. There were no other people around me. And I thought, man, this is going to be great. So I got up or I got my camp set up and, uh, I had planned on staying up till like two or three in the morning and the mosquitoes were so bad. I mean, like horribly bad. It was, it was so terrible. I could not describe to you in words or interpretive dance how bad the mosquitoes were so i ended up uh crawling into my tent uh probably about midnight in fact my fire was still burning pretty good i usually don't leave my fire burning uh, when i go camping like that but i was just at my wits end the mosquitoes were so bad and then it had started raining and i wasn't really prepared for rain because it wasn't supposed to rain so i just yeah, at midnight between the mosquitoes and the rain, I was like, screw it. I'm going to go lay in my tent. So I went and got in the tent and I turned my audio recorder on. I was going to leave my audio recorder out like on my truck or on my, um, the table at the campsite. But, uh, because of the rain and it's not, <clears throat> as far as I know, it's not a, a weatherproof, um, recorder. I said, man, I, I can't, I don't want to leave this thing outside. I just got it. So I ended up taking it in the tent with me and uh, just putting it in one of the little pockets inside the tent and turning it on. And I let it run all night and uh, I slept uh, decently. You know, usually I don't sleep that great when I'm out camping, but I slept okay. 
And uh, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, I I had the recording and I packed up the next day and came home and I kind of forgot about it. And it was sitting there in my uh, rucksack. And I finally today, actually today, the day I'm recording this, I had been uh, cleaning up in my office and I'd been moving some stuff around and putting some stuff up. I'd had some stuff out um, for some different things I've been doing and hadn't put it up. And I'm usually, a, you know, pretty good about keeping my equipment and stuff. Uh, I take pretty good care of it and keep, put it up when I'm done with it. So I started putting things away and I found this audio, the audio recorder. And I thought, oh man, I've still got all the audio from, uh, from that last camping trip I did. So I put it into my computer and I started listening to it. And I was kind of trying to do the David Ellis thing where I would, I, I ran it in, uh, to audio program and would just, I was just looking at it like looking at the, the raw audio and just if I saw a, a bump or a spike or something, I would, I would, uh, play that part. And I got busy. I was doing something. I was reading something or looking something up and I just had let it play. And I was listening to it on my headphones and, um, it was probably three or four hours in. So if I went to bed about midnight it would have been somewhere around three or four o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> uh, you you know you can hear me breathing obviously because I'm, I'm the recorder's like right next to me as I'm sleeping. It's at my head and I'm laying in my sleeping bag asleep, and uh, so you can hear me breathing. And then off in the distance, you can hear like a, a sound. It's either it's it's kind of like a, a knock or a pop. I don't know. It was a very interesting sound, and. Um, I can't figure out what it is. It, I, I don't think it's a gunshot. It doesn't have the, the crack of a gunshot uh, or quite the boom. It's almost like a two-part sound. So I thought that uh, it would be neat to include it in this uh, episode. So I, I'm going to include it here just in a second. And uh, I thought you guys uh, would appreciate listening to it. Uh, it's about a 30-plus 30, 30 second long clip. Uh, and the sound comes in at about the 23 or I'm sorry, 22 second mark. So, um, I'm just going to, going to go ahead and play that. And, uh, you guys can, uh, tell me what you think. So, uh, give it just a second here and I'm going to start it right now. All right. So what do you guys think of that? Huh? What do you think that was? I, I don't know if it, I don't think it was a gunshot. I can't figure out what it was. Uh, keep in mind the nearest people <clears throat> to where I was were probably about four to five miles away. I'm not sure how far like a gunshot would travel. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that could be. It's, it's interesting, but I do plan on going back there, uh, here in a couple of weeks and, and doing, uh, some more looking around, some more camping, some more recording. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get something else out of that area. 
Um, I'd be kind of curious to see what's going on there over the holiday weekend with all the people in that area. So we'll see. Hopefully uh, we'll get some more reports out of there. But um, <clears throat> anyway, go back and, and listen to it again and uh, let me know what you think. Um, it's just, you know, I, I, I was in that area by myself. There was nothing else around me, at least for five miles or so. So it's kind of interesting um, trying to come up with a rational explanation for that. <clears throat> so anyway, I think I'm going to call it good there. Uh, I want to give a shout out uh, to my wife for designing the new Alaskwatch logo. Hopefully you guys can see that in your podcatcher or whatever you're listening on. Uh, the original logo, I thought it just, you know, it was all right, but man, it was just, it was just missing something. I had gone to a, a graphic designer and I had told him what I wanted. I said, hey, you know, I want this logo for my podcast. And this is kind of what I was thinking. And, you know, bless their heart. They gave me exactly what I, I was like, you know, maybe a lot, you know, the state, the outline of the state of Alaska with a, a, a big foot on it. And um, then they're like, well, what color do you like? I said, I like blue and bless their heart. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what I got. You know, I don't think they put a lot of work into it. Um but I was kind of hoping for something a little more artsy, a little something, you know, something with a little bit more pizzazz. Um, and that's pretty much what my wife has done. She's uh, made up something uh, that's uh, a little bit more abstract, but cute. And uh, I really think it's cool. I enjoy it. <clears throat> and uh, I think that's probably going to be the logo from here on out. Uh, I don't see myself changing it any, anytime soon. So anyway, you can uh, find us on any podcatcher you can find us on facebook at the alaska watch facebook page we also have an alaska watch twitter you can find me on the kenai bigfoot research group facebook page you can email us at alaskwatch at gmail.com and uh, you know send us any sightings you have if you come across this uh, by searching for bigfoot in alaska uh, let us know if you've had any sightings in alaska and um uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. So anyway, guys, I want you to be careful. Take care out there and uh, stay away from the Rona. Mm-hmm.